are jumping into our passage for this afternoon in which we are finishing up a series today called The Life of a New Church, um, where we are, let me center up here, thank you, it's my type A-ness right there, all right, we're going to put it right there. Um, we're basically keying in on some key essentials for the life of the new church. What is really important for a new church that's one year old like us to think about? Um, we started with hospitality, saying that our dining room table is the way forward for the church, right? For us to grow together as a church family and for us to reach our neighborhoods. That happens around our dining room tables. Then we talked about showing up and being fully ourselves and using the unique gifts that God has given us to use our spiritual gifts to serve the body, that, that he has called each of us here for a reason, that our stories and our gifting matters. And that's important to be ourselves and serve using our gifts. Then we talked about following Jesus in his upside down way of leading by serving. Always looking for ways to lead by serving. Last week we started the conversation about healthy leadership. Specifically looking at the church office of elder. This week we're continuing that conversation on healthy leadership. By talking about the church office of deacon. Just to frame where we're at this afternoon. Um, okay so in a city like Greenville. Um, we have some great places to run. It's no secret I like to run. I know I talk about it a lot from up here. Um, but the Swamp Rabbit Trail, amazing place to run. If you run along the Swamp Rabbit Trail and you go by Falls Park, um, you pass by a restaurant called Halls. Um, Halls is just a great restaurant. Um, I think I've been there twice in the five years, roughly twice in the five years I've lived here. It's not totally in the budget to go on a weekly basis, uh, but it's really excellent. Halls is really excellent. Everything is top-notch. Um, I've been there with some of our out-of-town family members who have very high standards in food and all things, and it passed the test with flying colors. So I knew it was good when they liked it. Um, but one of the things that you'll notice if you've been there is that everything is perfect and accounted for. Everything is perfect and accounted for. The, 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 um, the quality of food is really high. Uh, the servers are so well-trained. Uh, the place is very clean, very well-maintained. That's Halls. Okay, back to running on the Swamp Rabbit. Okay, when you run on the Swamp Rabbit... Uh, by halls at 5.30 in the morning when it's still dark outside, you can look up into the windows of halls and you know what you'll see? You will see a team of people in this dimly lit restaurant with backpack vacuums on cleaning the restaurant. I remember the first time I saw it. I did a double take, 5.30 a.m., backpack vacuums, halls restaurant, and then it hit me. That is one of the secrets to their success. That is one of the key, most important jobs at Halls. For sure, someone has to clean the restaurant, but for a place of that caliber, the precision with which it is cleaned and maintained can really make or break the whole experience. So um, the team of backpack vacuum ninjas that descends on Halls every morning at 5.30, they're the key to the restaurant running like it should. Halls is not Halls without that team cleaning it. All right, deacons in a church are the key to the, to the life of the church running like it should. Uh, you don't often see them. It's very practical. It's very behind-the-scenes work. But it is crucial to the life of the church. The church is not the church without deacons. And that's what we're talking about this afternoon. And so I'm going to read uh, from two passages. The first one is actually a continuation of where we were last week. 1 Timothy 3. Um, we're going to go from verse 8 to 13, and then we're going to flip over to Acts chapter 6. And both of those are printed in your bulletin. You're welcome to follow along in a Bible if you have one. 
So first from the First Timothy 3 passage, beginning in verse 8. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, then flip over to Acts chapter 6, 1 to 7. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Paramenus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The word of the Lord. Father, we do thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You have spoken to us. And if You don't speak to us now by Your Holy Spirit, then we can't understand what Your Word says to us. And so we pray that You would give us eyes to see, that You would give us ears to hear, that You would give us hearts to believe, minds to understand. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in Your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, here's what we're going to do this afternoon. Um, three things, and, and we'll spend most of our time on the first two. We're going to look at what, uh, what to look for in deacons. Secondly, what deacons do. And then three, next steps. First, what to look for in deacons. And just a little pause even before that. What is a deacon? Uh, if you're new to church, you're like, what, what planet do I land on? This is like, these are weird words. This is, feels like a weird service to step into. What is a deacon? Deacons are servants. They're servants. That's literally what the word means, servant, or one entrusted to serve the needs of others. There's actually surprisingly very little in the New Testament what deacons actually do. We're going to get to that in a moment with that Acts 6 passage. But Paul gives us this list of qualifications. They're mentioned a couple other places, but we don't get a ton. But what we know for sure is that deacons are servants. And if you were here last week, we talked about the office of elders. Let's contrast elders and deacons. Elders are shepherds, deacons are servants. Uh, one scholar says it this way, that elders feed the sheep with spiritual food, while deacons feed the sheep with actual food. Uh, the office of elder is an office of the word, while the office of deacon is an office of mercy. Additionally, I said last week, like the office of elder, our denominational understanding the office of ordained deacon is that it's reserved for qualified men only. And I just fully recognize that's not a popular thing to distinguish leadership 
uh, opportunities based on gender. We are committed to uh, what we understand the scriptures to be saying, even when it's not always popular. And so that is our understanding for the office of deacon as well. It's open to qualified men only. Now, having said that, there is a provision in our book of church order for the session to appoint both men and women to assist the deacons in their work of mercy, which we will fully plan to do when we get to that point. And I've just along those lines, I've had some great conversations with you about gender and leadership. And if that is something you have questions about, we'd love to sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk with you more. Okay, lastly, before we jump in, just a word on process. In the month of June, which is coming very soon, we're going to open up nominations for each office, elder and deacon. Um, these candidates will be nominated by y'all to these uh, positions, to these offices. Those who are nominated will then be notified. And if they desire to move forward, they will be vetted by our temporary governing session and myself that's on that. And once they go through that process, they'll be announced to the congregation. Then they'll enter a period of training, which will take a number of months. Finally, you will officially vote on them. And, pa- and those passing the vote will be ordained and installed as elders and deacons at resurrection. All that will likely help happen in early 2023, so roughly like seven to nine months from now. That's a lot. I know I've said that multiple times. Just want us to be clear on that. Cool? Also, if you're new here, major family conversation happening today. So um, bear with us. One more week, and then we're back to, I guess, more normal sermons. But this is in the Bible, so I think it's a normal sermon. Okay, all that being said, what should we look for in our deacons? What type of person should you nominate for the office of deacon? That's a great grid to have in mind today. Much like the office of elder, Paul gives us a list of characteristics, not necessarily skill sets. Um, Throughout the New Testament, as an aside... Heart and character matter so much more than external skills 100% of the time. It's especially true with deacons. So let's talk about character traits of deacons. And this is looking at that 1 Timothy 3 passage. We'll just kind of go through like we did last week, item by item. It says that deacons are dignified. Um, This means that their dignity is apparent. They're honorable men. They're worthy of your respect. What does it feel like when you interact with someone like that? Um, You respect them. Uh, You trust them. Deacons are dignified. That's relatively self-explanatory. It says deacons are not double-tongued or devious in speech. It's an interesting way to put it. Uh, They're not manipulative with their words. They don't try to game you. Um, They don't try to control you with their words. They say what they mean. They mean what they say. Um, You don't have to worry about reading between the lines with what they tell you. They don't gossip. with other people about you. They don't slander other people. They don't speak poorly about people behind their back. They don't raise doubts about others in a gossipy way. What does that feel like when someone is not double-tongued? It's sort of like when you go to the doctor and you, when you go to the doctor, you just can't really hide anything from them physically and, but you just kind of feel safe with that dynamic. That's sort of what they're there for. You want, you know, them to like know what's going on with your body. Or maybe you go to your financial advisor and you show them like the whole of your financial situation and you're sort of like opened up before them financially. But like that's sort of the dynamic and you feel safe in that dynamic. That's how you feel with deacons. If they help you to cover an electric bill when things get tight, you're not worried about them sharing that with someone else or speaking poorly about you. You feel safe around them. You feel safe with how they use their words. It's a dynamic that you're comfortable with. They're not double-tongued. You're not worried about what they say or how they say it. All right, he goes on. 
Paul says that they're not addicted to much wine. All right, similar to what we said for elders last week. There are some similarities between the two lists, which you can see. Deacons are not addicted to alcohol, pills, drugs, any other substance. Um, Okay, again, this does not mean they don't have a hard past with alcohol or substances. As I said last week, my friends who are in active recovery from past addictions are some of the most honorable, faithful, wise, courageous people I know. They make great deacons. The question then is around current stage of life and their relationship with substances. All right, what does that feel like? Um, For these deacons you want to nominate, you have zero hesitations about their relationship with alcohol. Zero hesitations about their drinking habits. They're not addicted to much wine. Paul goes on. They're not greedy for dishonest gain. Um, Deacons are honest with their finances. uh, Honest with their taxes. How they do money. It's all above reproach. Nothing to hide. They're not cheating the system. Uh, They're not ruthless or money hungry. Um, They're generous with their own money. They're not greedy. What does that feel like? Um, You admire how they do finances. You want them to be a model for you in all things money. Um, Being around them makes you want to be more generous and be a better steward of your resources. And this is, they talked about this for elders. This is especially true um, for deacons, especially important for deacons, because they will be heavily involved in our church's finances. So you want to make sure they are good with their own finances. Not greedy for dishonest gain. They're above reproach when it comes to all things money. Uh, Next, Paul says they hold the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. Okay, so you might remember with elders last week, we said that elders need to be able to teach. That's up in verse 2 of 1 Timothy 3. Um, And the office of elder, it's an office of the word. Deacons, in contrast, you'll see, are not called to teach, though they can if they're gifted in that area, though it's not a qualification. Um, But Paul does not totally write off the importance of their faith and their belief and their understanding of their faith. Um, He says deacons need, need to be able to hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. That is, that they're, they're committed followers of Jesus with a clear grasp of the good news of Jesus. Um, they're not someone who's navigating an intense season of doubt. Which, by the way, if you're here and you are navigating an intense season of doubt, we're so glad you're here. The best place to do that is in a church community where you feel loved and welcomed. Stay. Keep navigating that doubt with us. But that's not who we want to nominate for the office of deacon. Someone who's in a, a season of doubt. Um, Deacons are not just servant-hearted people who might dabble in church life. They are all in solid, firm believers. What it feels like, what it feels like, it feels like just these deacons are just rock solid in their faith. They're rock solid in their faith. Okay, Paul goes on. It says that they're proven, that they're tested. All right, what does that mean? Paul doesn't really tell us. We don't actually know. It's likely that he's referring to the oversight and testing from the overseers or the elders. The way our church government is set up in our denomination, the elders, the session, oversee the deacons. The deacons report up to the session. The session is the authority body in our denomination. Um, But Paul doesn't give us an exact formula for oversight um, and being proven and tested. Both sets of officer candidates in our church, elders and deacons, will go through a period of training. They will be tested on views and beliefs and lifestyle. And we do that. That's all for the health of the church. Um, That the deacons would be dignified and that elders would be above reproach, as Paul mentions at the top 
of each list. All right, look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. Let me speak to this for just a moment. Verse 11, the word wives could be translated as women. And you could find um, any commentary, and I'll guarantee you that lots and lots and lots of ink has been spilled on this. If you're reading from an ESV translation in your Bible, you'll see they went with wives there, and they footnoted it as women. And I just highlight that to say that different translations of that word lead some to different conclusions about who the office of deacon is open to. There's been a lot of debate around that. As I mentioned, our denomination only ordains men to the office of deacon, but there is that provision that allows both men and women to assist the diaconate in their work. More to come on that on the months ahead. But that's sort of what what the conversation around verse 11 is. It does appear by the context of these verses that Paul is transitioning from talking about the personal life of the deacon to the married life of the deacon in his household, which he did for the elder as well. Let's talk about the marriage and family of the deacon. The deacon's marriage. Um, This is where the health of marriages is crucial. If they're married, they don't have to be. But Paul says that the wives of deacons must be dignified, not slanderers, sober-minded, faithful in all things. And this is true not just for deacons, but for elders and deacons both. There should be this shared sense of health, if they're married, they don't have to be. But if they are, a shared sense of health, a shared sense of godliness, a shared sense of commitment uh, to living as followers of Jesus by both the husband and the wife. Um, Yet Paul only mentions it explicitly for deacons here. All right, what does that feel like? What's the feel of that as you interact with that? The deacon and his wife, they're tracking spiritually. They're on the same page. They have a shared commitment to Jesus, a shared commitment to his church, a shared commitment to serving, especially with deacons, that there is this um, shared servant-like lifestyle. Verse 12, he goes on and says, deacons are the husband of one wife. Same as what they said about elders. That means that they're a one-woman man. Like the elder, the deacon is faithful in his marriage, not having an affair, not viewing pornography. He's faithful. And what does that feel like? His marriage feels healthy. There's nothing shady about it. That's the marriage. What about family and household? Paul says that they would be managing their children and household well. Uh, You can see how that would be especially important for deacons. Um, last week we said that how this man does life and leadership at home is how he will do life and leadership in the church. Um, if deacons are serving by meeting practical needs of mercy, helping with finances, caring for church property, they need to be doing these types of things at home as well. All right, so um, you may or may not know this, but my wife Erin is a great golfer, uh, to put her on the spot. She grew up playing golf. Her whole family plays golf. Um, They even uh, did and still do live on a golf course. You may or may not know that. You may or may not also know that I am not that. That I do not play golf. Um, I I was going to say I dabbled in golf after college. I literally think I played three times. I've played like three rounds of golf my whole life. Some of you did that yesterday. Um, But that's just not me. I quickly realized it was not my thing. When Erin and I first got engaged, we went and we visited her family. And uh, and what did her parents schedule for us? Um, A golf outing for the four of us. And have you ever watched a non-golfer try to play golf with three golfers? I just think they remember trying to tee off on one hole, if that's what you call it. And I whiffed the ball like twice in a row and like just took a huge chunk out of their home course in the ground. And then I sliced it into the trees. 
And then my future mother-in-law gets on the tee box and she tees off and she just crushes it straight down the fairway. And I knew at that moment that, that I'm never playing golf with my in-laws again. Uh, this is just not my thing. But all that to say, I am not pursuing a career in golf. I am not pursuing a career in golf. Why? I'm not a golfer. I don't do the essential thing that you need to be a golfer, i.e. play golf. All right, for deacons, healthy home life, marriage, if they're married, family, if they have children, household management is essential for deacons. It's essential for elders and deacons both. Why? It's the main thing. You know, some jobs or roles have this clear distinction between private life and work life. Um, now, obviously, for every one of us, our personal lives, if they're healthy, that means we're healthier in our professional lives. For sure, there's always some connection. But some jobs have a much more clear distinction. If you're pursuing a career, for instance, in accounting or advertising or banking, um, the health of your marriage or the health of your personal spiritual life or your home life um, doesn't necessarily affect your day-to-day -day work. Your employer just doesn't even go there. Those things stay separate for them, right? The office of both elder and deacon, it brings the personal life, um, the personal character of the officer, officers directly together with the calling of the office. Uh, the calling of elder and deacon is essentially to come and to bring your personal love for Jesus, your love for His people, your love for the church, uh, to bring that personal nearness to Him to bear on our church family. To let that overflow into shepherding if you're an elder, or to let that overflow into serving if you're a deacon. That's what's, what to look for in deacons. Again, all character traits. What will our deacons be doing at resurrection? Next question. Let's talk about what deacons do. I mentioned that the scriptures don't tell us a lot. They don't tell us a lot. That Acts chapter 6 passage gives us an idea, but there's actually some debate as to whether that's actually talking about deacons because the actual word deacon doesn't appear in that passage but it certainly seems like deacons are being appointed and set apart. So let's look at that passage, Acts chapter 6. A little background here. There's a group of widows, uh, these Greek-speaking Jews, that were not receiving their daily distribution of food. Aside on that, it means that the church was integral in meeting the practical need of providing for widows. Uh, but the widows were not receiving their food, so the apostles called the church together, all the disciples. There had been all this church growth happening and said, what did they say to him? Look at the middle of verse 2 in your passage. The apostle said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. Okay, this is so beautiful and so healthy. Um, I love clarity. I love clarity. And they move towards massive clarity here by distinguishing these roles. They let those who are gifted and called to pray and to preach to focus on prayer and preaching. And to let those who are uniquely gifted to meet practical needs to focus on meeting practical needs. Elders feed the sheep with spiritual food. Deacons feed the sheep with actual food. All right, what will our deacons be doing at Resurrection? I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to read you a quote from our book of church order. Thrilling stuff. BCO 9-2. It is the duty of the deacons to minister to those who are in need, to the sick, to the friendless, to any who may be in distress. It is their duty to develop the grace of liberality 
in the members of the church to devise effective methods of collecting the gifts of the people and to distribute these gifts among the objects to which they are contributed. They shall have the care of the property of the congregation, both real and personal, and shall keep it in proper and shall keep in proper repair the church edifice and other buildings belonging to the congregation. End quote. All right, what is that saying? Deacons do compassionate mercy ministry. Compassionate mercy ministry. They meet practical needs in our church family. When a family has, comes up short one month, has trouble covering an electric bill, things are tight, they help with that. Um, outside the church family, when someone calls our church office asking for assistance, deacons help to get involved in that, even help us to set up systems on how we will care for the homeless and those in need outside of our church body that ask for help from our church. Compassionate mercy ministry. Secondly, finances and giving. They will help prepare the budget, oversee giving, encourage the church to be generous. I will no longer be the only one asking you to be generous. The deacons will do that also. Third thing, church property. They'll take care of church building, physical property, overseeing all the sort of just like nuts and bolts and practical things of the church family. Compassionate mercy ministry, finances and giving, church property. Okay, combining those first two points, what to look for in deacons, what deacons do. I'll just say this about deacons. Sometimes you know them when you see them. Um, Okay, so I I live in Gower, neighborhood close by here. I love my neighborhood. Lived there five years. I literally want to live there for the rest of my life. I love it. Never want to move. And there's definitely a Gower stereotype. It's fair to say there's a Gower stereotype where you just kind of know a Gowerite when you see them. Uh, And if I'm honest, it's probably, just to kind of put this out, there's probably a guy pulling up on his golf cart and he's wearing a trucker hat. He's wearing sunglasses that are some kind of blend between fashionable and outdoorsy. Uh, He's probably wearing a Gower swimming t-shirt and his doodle is probably perched on the back seat of his golf cart. Um, Just just a hypothetical scenario. Um, And he actually, in his golf cart, he may have just made a quick run to Grateful Brew or to get some carry out from Kitchen Sink. Uh, that, that may be a Gower stereotype. Um, no judgment. I'm also willing to admit I'm not that far off from that. Uh, but if this person pulls up in your front yard and you see them, you're like, oh, you're such a Gowerite. Like, that's so Gower. Um, and some of you are like, yeah, that's totally, that's me. That was me like three hours ago. Others of you are just like giant eye roll. But that's sort of the way it should feel with deacons. Not necessarily the golf cart, doodle, sunglasses, though that's great. But in how they do life. They're just the kind of people that are compassionate. They love helping to meet practical needs. Um, they're smart with finances. They like serving behind the scenes. And when you get to know them, you think, yes, like that, you're, you're such a deacon. You're such a deacon. And I would say that as we move towards nominations, it's really important to remember, nominate men for elder and deacon that are already doing elder and deacon type things. Not those who might one day be good in that role. Um, but those who are already eldering and deaconing, that's just sort of who they are. They're just elders. They're just deacons. All right, let's talk about next steps. Next steps for our church family. The first is this, pray. Pray, pray, pray. Ask God to give you eyes to see who embodies these characteristics of a deacon. Pray for God to raise up healthy, humble, qualified deacons. Pray. Secondly, ask, who is already doing this? Who is already doing this? Who comes to mind when you think, he is such a deacon? 
Third, most importantly, remember Jesus the servant. Jesus the perfect deacon. Look at the end of the First Timothy passage. Verse 13. It says, For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Um, so there's honor that comes in serving as a deacon. There's this like practical, behind-the-scenes mercy ministry, meeting the needs of others. It's just going to give our deacons good standing in our church. It's hard not to love what they do. And it's going to grow their own confidence in the faith. Why? Because diaconal work is so near the heart of Jesus. Think about the life of Jesus. Um, He saved a party by turning water into wine. Compassionate, merciful, practical. Um, He helped 5,000 hungry people by giving them food. Compassionate, merciful, practical. Um, He healed people who had health problems. Compassionate, merciful, practical. He befriended lonely, hurting people all the time compassionate, merciful, practical. He talked a lot about our relationship with money. Incredibly practical, incredibly merciful to us. He washed the dirt off the feet of his friends. Compassionate, merciful, practical. There's, of course, deeper spiritual meaning to all of those things that Jesus did. There's also the very real practical needs that he met. And where did his life of service take him? Philippians 2, 5-8, this is from our assurance of grace. Listen to this again with this idea of Jesus as the perfect deacon in mind. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Um, The diaconal servant heart of Jesus led him to serve us by dying for us. By meeting our ultimate need of cleansing from our sin and rebellion and restoring us back into relationship with the Father once again. And so wherever you are this afternoon, whether you are racking your brain thinking about who you should nominate for deacon, or maybe you're still not even fully sure what a deacon is, and you just feel like you limped in here today and you're barely hanging on, and you just heard like about spiritual food and real food, and you're like, yes, I need both of those, please. Wherever you are, Jesus the servant offers himself to you this afternoon. Um, he invites you to come and to be cleansed, uh, to center your life on him. And I would love to talk with you and pray with you after this service if you feel like God is stirring in you to have that conversation today. Let me pray for us. I want to end by praying. Pray that God would continue this work in our midst of raising up healthy, humble, qualified leaders for our church family. Let's pray together. Father, we ask you for that. Um, We pray that you would raise up healthy, humble, qualified elders and deacons in our midst. And Father, it's, it's not so that we can feel good about ourselves, but it's so this new church, that resurrection might reflect the health of your son Jesus. Uh, That as we raise up elders and deacons in our midst, these will be men that point us to you, King Jesus. We want to know more of you in this process. We pray for unity, for clarity, for joy, and even for a greater sense of identity as a church family as we prepare 
to have our own officers. Thank you for meeting us as we've considered what your word has to say. We pray that you would meet us now at this table. In Jesus' name, amen.